Welcome to Cybermania, Cyber Talks with the Brightest Minds in Cybersecurity. Discussing risks, AI, emerging threats, workforce challenges, and more. Brought to you by Cyber Range Solutions. With your host, May Brooks. Hello and welcome to another episode of Cybermania. And with me today, we have the lovely Dr. Jane Blankenweb. How are you, Jane? I'm doing great, thank you. So good to be here with you. So good to have you. So we always start these episodes in the same way, with you telling us a little bit about yourself, about your background. And in your case, it's a very unique background. So tell us a little bit about your background and how it relates to cybersecurity. Um. I'm a musician, I'm an educator, I'm a philosopher who accidentally landed in the world of cybersecurity, I'd say. Um, I needed a job and landed a job working with cybersecurity students, and I was told to do education stuff with them, and they opened up this whole world to me that I hadn't considered before, and honestly, I haven't been able to look back ever since. Amazing. Amazing. So you come with a PhD in education. You're yeah. not a techie. You teach, no. you didn't say that, but you're an assistant professor at uh, Wilkes University in the US. Mm-hmm. And as someone who comes from a non-technical background, what actually drew you to explore cybersecurity, to learn more about the field? Um, so it was when I was working with cybersecurity education students. This was at the University of Illinois and I was a a postdoc working there. Um, I just, I remember the hair standing up on my arm when I was learning about, you know, research. This particular research was when um, they had put a bunch of USB, um, USB drives out around a college campus and something like 60% of them got plugged in and what happened with what 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 are these us key you know b keys do and i'm like trying to get like and i'm asking the speakers you know what iot you know what is that and how is that a threat and like all, all it was just it was just eye opening and for me to sit there from this background in education and to realize there was this entire like other layer happening in the reality i was already inhabiting going on all the time that most people in the world are just not thinking about, are just not aware of. And being in education, like education is the gateway to the future of society, right? And for education to not be taking this issue seriously, it was, it just really struck me um, as being something really important. So I just, that was, that was the moment of the hair standing up on, on the back of, <laughs> of, my, of my arm there. Um, and from there, the students that I was working with, they were so sweet. <laughs> They, um, they, you know, I had a PhD in philosophy of education and they took it totally seriously that that was an intentional, it wasn't an accident that I had landed in cybersecurity education. Of course, there was a, a master reason behind this. And so we were sort of exploring those master reasons together and it became quite clear uh, that ethics was an area and ethics education was an area that needed a lot of unpacking. And where, you know, arguably this is an important area for everybody in society that the decisions that these students would make in their future careers as cybersecurity professionals will shape the future of society. Their judgments, and, and it is, and now we're seeing with AI and the development of these technology, it is the, the judgments and the ethical decisions of, a, of, a, of a, a handful of an elite few 
that is shaping the world right now. Um, and so we need to pay particular attention to ethics and ethics education there. Absolutely. So, and, yeah. and it's so exciting to hear about someone really coming from a totally different background. And I can tell you that I've tried to work with education and educators in the past, and some of them were very receptive and incorporated it into their school curriculums. Others sort of, I think it could be because it was considered a technical field, mm -hmm. but they sort of pushed back. No, 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 that's not us. We're doing education. This is technology. That's not us. And as you said, it's the future. Yeah. It is the future. So, so, so can you yeah. share a little bit about the program that you're now leading in Wilkes? I, I will, but there's a lot about that, about the resistance that I think you're bumping up against. Education ideally should be, as I'm saying, the gateway to the future, the gateway to the kind of society that we should be creating. And yet it's such a, it's so steeped in these traditional views about how education unfolds, what it is, and that's a really hard tension to break. Um, yeah. it, so I, I, I understand that tension. Um, I, I work with, I, I, at Wilkes University, I work with EGD students. So these are students who are getting a doctorate in educational leadership. Um, and I just invite them into, I, I developed this course called Cybersecurity for Educational Leaders that is intentionally for people with no background. I mean, they don't have any background in cybersecurity. Um, I come, come one, come all, let's have this conversation. And the course is sort of designed about trying to put educational leaders and the perspective of educational leaders at the heart of the conversation with people like you, with real cybersecurity professionals, because y'all are very generous. You want the word out. You want to share this with everybody. You want to help help society to improve, to encounter all of this. And I have the audience. And so I just position educational leaders um, and their needs and their perspectives and their questions right in the heart of a conversation with actual cybersecurity professionals. You guys are generous. It's sort of like, oh, I see what you guys are doing over here. I see what you guys are doing over here. Let's, let's get together. And so that's the spirit of the class. It's the spirit of how, um, how I, I run the class and um, sort of I just position students at this vast intersection of, of cybersecurity and all that means in many dimensions and education and sort of ask them to make meaning from that through, you know, technical and non-technical sorts of ways to see what they create, what they come up with. And in the end, I'm asking them to, you know, figure out what from where they're situated, from their unique standpoint, what they uniquely have to offer this world, how can they contribute? To, to making things better. And students come up with, you know, everything from um, uh, like, you know, cyber safety curricula that they could they could deliver in school to monthly newsletters to remind people of, of different facets of this conversation, to remind families about different facets of, of the conversation, um, to entire dissertation topics that they're now following up and doing research um, on for their doctoral dissertations. So um, it's been, yeah, it's been pretty, pretty neat to see what we just by by positioning students seriously for, you know, these 12 weeks together, we're going to seriously um, look at this intersection and see how you make meaning and how you can contribute moving forward. Um, they come up with some pretty cool things. That's amazing. And I know that you have students from various places around the world. Mm -hmm. And it's it will be very interesting in my eyes to see 
how in different areas of the world they incorporate cybersecurity into school curriculums. As you mentioned, it could be part of the actual curriculum or extra. It it will be absolutely fascinating. I can't wait to see where, where they take it. I really love this idea. And I want to ask you, referencing to what we discussed before about the pushback and the res resistance, did you have some sort of challenges or pushback about recruiting students to this program? I mean, do you feel that it changes over time that people realize the influence of technology, the importance of technologies on everyone's lives, to be honest, as well, their lives and their students, of course? Enrollment is 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 up more and more. Like I, when I started the class, I think we had six students who signed up for it. Um, there are always some like curious few who would be willing to do that. And then like it has built momentum. And so um, I'm, I don't concern myself whenever the course runs, it always, you know, makes enough, you know, enough students enroll for the course to run. But then it's taken on its own momentum with with dissertation students who are seeing that there's like the way they're approaching these problems, there's nothing there's no research hasn't been done with the, the, from their perspective as you know non-technical educational leaders and how how can a principal how can an assistant principal meaningfully contribute to uh, the knowledge and what we know about problems in cybersecurity with schools well the answer is there's a lot they can do and that nobody really is taking that seriously and so they're finding ways to do that and that just is building more momentum within our programs and the the other reality is um I don't have to do much to recruit it. The, the truth is schools, you know, neighboring schools or sometimes the schools that my students go to, you know, are getting attacked. I mean, this is, That's it's true. happening all over the world and we hear about it. And um, so the, I don't need to do much advertising. The hackers are doing it for me. And we do thank them for our job security. <laughs> uh, yeah, we yeah, but that's true. But I think that something that I've encountered with people from, let's call it outside the tech world, once someone has experienced a cyber attack, and it doesn't matter if we're talking about someone who's an educator and experienced it in his school or experienced it as something that one of his students went through, or as an individual, someone who even had his Instagram or Facebook or whatever account um, attacked, once you experience it firsthand, Mm -hmm. you suddenly realize that all the things in the news are actually happening and it yeah. can happen to you. But something that I've encountered that a lot of people say, well, no one is interested in me. I mean, what data can they steal from me? I'm not interesting. And I do find that still to be the conversation to be very challenging. I mean, I've been talking about multi-factor authentication, two-factor authentication until I was blue in the face and still people get hacked. People have their Instagram accounts hacked because they don't have two-factor authentication. Now right. it's something that is, it's there, it's available. It's not something that is hard to implement, but if you don't think it's relevant for you, yeah, I think that's, in my experience, is still a challenge. I think that's absolutely a challenge. And I can, I, I fight that within myself sometimes. Uh, I still, you know, and, and I recognize it. And so I, I, I think it's an ongoing challenge and um, the, 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 the stories are out there of people's lives who've been seriously disrupted and the damage that's been done to people who thought they had nothing to lose or that they were not interesting enough to, to be exposed in any kind of a way. Um, and yet 
um, in order for it to hit home, it needs to hit home sometimes. And that's, I, I don't, I, it's a tough one because yeah, we don't want this harm to happen to people that we care about and that we know. Um, but it feels it like, you know, the threat of the car hitting us when we're walking down the road, like we can perceive that that's a part of our reality that we're adapted to. We understand those kinds of threats, but cyber threats are more um, elusive. They're subtle uh, in, in a way that we don't, you know, we might be compromised and not know it yet or, or not really realize the harm that's being done. And yet in our everyday experience of the internet, things still seem fine, right? The problem is if I can't get to Instagram or whatever the thing is like that, it's, it's like, um, it's almost until it's way too late that we even realize that there's a problem. Whereas in the physical world, um, when you're hit by that car, you know it right away um, and you can yeah. see it coming. And you can, and and the thing is, we can see it coming online too. If we develop, you know, habits that are attuned to the kinds of dangers that that we know are, are out there. Um, Absolutely, I think that no one would hide the fact that they were in a car accident. People are mm. not ashamed to say I was involved in a car accident. I think people are still ashamed to say I've been scammed out of ten thousand dollars. And yeah. the fact that people don't share that. I mean, we all know people that have been in car accidents, even if we haven't experienced it ourselves. Mm -hmm. We know someone who has, mm -hmm. but not everyone. Well, I think that everyone knows someone who had been impacted sure. by an online threat, but they're not even aware of that. They don't know because that conversation is not like a day to day. Oh, by the way, I mean, I can see someone talking about, um, yeah, I was in a car accident yesterday. The majority of people won't say, Oh, I was scammed yesterday. There yeah. is still some sort of shame. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how could I have been this stupid? Yeah. And sometimes it, it is what it is because we know that hackers are using our psychology against us. They're using fear and greed and curiosity and urgency to make us not mm -hmm. think and not look for those red signs but click quickly now because it's very very urgent and and if you don't do it the world will melt down yeah so i think and i think for educators as well sometimes they might hear about it from from their students but if there is no openness in class they might not be aware of these that's, things and that's one of the things that we could do in education is actually just to be more aware and open and transparent about talking about the things that are already happening so an example um i was embarrassed i was really embarrassed and i tell this story to my uh to my students now i was so i was so naive so here i am a phd knowledgeable person in this world um i love to work in the coffee shops I, I, that's where I, I did my, I wrote my whole dissertation in a coffee shop, you know, like I, I would work there all the time. I got my email, got my chats with my friends, all of the things. I had no idea um, that like someone could eavesdrop on my conversations and pretty easily uh, if I wasn't using a VPN or anything. And like, you know, the chats with my, with my friends um, about emotional things and whatever, you know, would happen. I mean, I did it all in this coffee shop, but it was the same, it was this, almost the same thing as just chatting out loud. And there was a creeper. 
and I can't prove it. <laughs> so I'm here. I am a PhD. I'm a smart person. I think I'm with it. And um, I'm in this cybersecurity uh, realm with these students learning about cybersecurity. And I put it together. This creepy guy who's always staring at me, looking up from his computer, looking back to my face, especially when I'm chatting online with or writing some kind of detailed email about my feelings and my stuff. He's looking back and forth and he's reading everything that's going on. I mean, I could just see it in the social interaction. I still can't prove it, you know, yeah. but I'm like, I have the, and then they're like, oh my gosh, I've always had a creepy feeling about this guy. And and now they're telling me that this is totally possible. And if you just use a VPN, that's going <laughs> to knock yeah. this out. But if you don't know, and the majority of things in cybersecurity are like that. If you just use a VPN, if you just add two-factor authentication. And I just, just knew that. But exactly. I was so embarrassed. And I, but here's the thing. I had the courage to speak it up in front of the professionals, the cybersecurity professionals and the students. Like I, I, and it was, it was courageous. And I think we need to have this conversation because I think the students are thinking on the one level, they want to scoff and say, oh, just use a VPN. But like, I was not a dumb person. I just didn't know exactly. that this was even possible and that it was really the equivalent of someone eavesdropping on my conversation. I mean, I think it's illegal, right? Like it was illegal to, for them to be doing this, but it was very easy for them to just, yeah. and they're, you know, it, it's also very hard to, to catch them. I did have some of my cyber, the cybersecurity professionals like come to the coffee shop with me and I'm like, I'm like, we're trying to find the guy and see what he's doing. <laughs> uh, it didn't, we didn't actually catch anybody. Um, but I told the, I mean, I told the the owner of the coffee shop that I think this is going on and we could put little signs up around here about like, you know, are you aware of these things? And, you know, um, to, I, it was a humbling moment where I felt exposed and embarrassed. Um, and I've been I use it to help other people like have this conversation because we're just we're just real and we don't know. And, um, you know, a simple thing like Absolutely. a VPN is going to stop people from eavesdropping on whatever you're doing. Oh. That that's so. I love that insight because that's exactly the point. When we talk about it, when we share it, especially educators, that they are the first line of defense. To be honest, in many cases, a teacher would know what's going on with her students sometimes before the parents would. Yeah, because she, a teacher will see the interaction in class. Uh, they'll be exposed to things that parents not necessarily. Because if the kids don't share or the parents aren't involved, they won't know. And I think that, that is so important to raise awareness for the teachers themselves to be aware of the yeah. risks. Because if they're aware and they're looking for those warning signs in yeah. their students' behavior, it could make such an incredible difference. And I'm so happy that there are programs like yours that do have those conversations and do take them to other schools around the world. But you know what you're speaking to is like being attuned to what's actually happening in the present moment and responding to that in a way that has like educational value. Um, and I'm trying to, I'm writing about this right now um, in a, and we're doing a book chapter that I, it, the book chapter is for a philosophical audience to try to show them, hey, this philosophy of, of habit is what Dewey's gonna call this kind of attunement and then re, re, you know reflection on, on our real experiences in order to develop more better attunement and, and more uh, habits that are better aligned to the reality of the world we're living in, right? Um, we have philosophical constructs to describe this kind of learning. And so I'm writing it for that audience. And then the next step after this is to introduce um, these philosophical concepts to a cybersecurity audience and to see if they, <laughs> see if y'all think there's any value in it. Oh, I'm sure we will. I'm sure we well, will. And you I know, you've so. been 
I'm sure we will, because uh, I think that a lot of people in cybersecurity, and you mentioned the fact you talked about research, and yes, a lot of people that come from the hands-on, boots-on-the-ground cyber experience, cybersecurity experience, not necessarily ever had that formal education or went down the academic route. So I think it will be very interesting to see people um, looking at those philosophical questions in cybersecurity and research them. So I, I think there'll definitely be an audience. Now, I want to reference here the fact that for to build this program, I know that you've been working with subject matter experts from the cybersecurity world. And I want to ask you a little bit about your experience working with them, with the techie people. How did it influence the and enrich the course material, the program materials? So um, what I, it started with inviting uh, experts to come to class and actually just talk to us. And so if they were legal experts in, in cybersecurity, uh, which there are a few of them, <laughs> um, there's more now, but you know, there, there are legal experts. We would bring the cybersecurity lawyer in and have them think, think with educators about where, where cybersecurity law, well, mostly where it's lacking and where it actually does hold up um, for in terms of, of educators. And we would just have these conversations. Like I said, positioning, educational leaders and their perspectives and their needs right in the heart of the conversation with actual professionals. Um, so we've had, you know, um, I think you've had Ryan Cloutier on your show. Ryan has been, um, he's been with me from the very beginning of starting this course. And, and he's, he's a, he's a favorite <laughs> in the class. He's very generous yeah. with his time. We love you, Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he he does uh, he always does the security mindset talk uh, with the students and that is is it, he he can relate it in such a he's unique and then he can explain this to general audiences in a way that can show how all this critical thinking stuff this education stuff that we really care about and we want to we want to um, you know support the development of in our students that has everything to do with the security mindset and this is stuff that you're already doing and you're already valuing that and there's like just like a little twist to think about what that means in terms of security um it's exciting so um i think i forgot the question <laughs> <laughs> we talked about how cyber security experts influence the program so you mentioned ryan i know you worked with others as well yeah, so Ryan um, Cloutier and Laura Lee. Uh, Laura Lee mm -hmm. ha had her career in the United States. She was she she. I don't actually know what agencies she was involved with. She's retired now. Um, she was involved. I, I know she was involved with Cyber Command in the U.S. Um, and and the training, uh, the education of the the cyber soldiers. Is that what they're called? Um, so anyway, these were the two that I met uh, on LinkedIn at the right time when I was developing this class and I was terrified. Oh, I was so <laughs> scared just stepping out into this world that like I was going to expo totally expose all my ignorance because I hold a lot of it. But I um, there's so much value in that ignorance. There's so much value in, in naming that because that's the ignorance um, that society in general is holding. And we need to ask these questions. Um, so Ryan Cloutier and Laura Lee were the my my two like main coaches that got me started with this, and I've had um, a lot of people have stepped up. Um, privacy experts have come, mm -hmm. and I've talked to them. Um, social engineering uh, people who've thought about um, human susceptibility and social engineering, and have um, uh, Henry Collier is who I've worked with there. He's at Norwich University. Um, so uh, your your people are That's generous. Right. 
I, I'm so grateful for you. They, um, yeah, they give of their time to come and speak with my students. I've now recorded a bunch of like lectures that may be like podcasts, right? That are part of the curriculum. We have readings and there's assignments and things that they need to do. But part of it is really just experiencing these conversations so that educational leaders can see themselves in conversation with y'all because that's what they need to be doing, right? It's not yeah. a porn thing. It's not embarrassing. Like whatever happened, let's learn from it and let's learn from it together so that we can grow and we can pay attention to the things that we're not paying attention to and we know how to respond better moving forward absolutely absolutely and thank you for calling out those incredible people and yes we i know that a lot of people in cybersecurity, although we are all super busy we are generous with our time especially when it comes to education you are to kids because i think that in my in my eyes Cybersecurity, cybersecurity awareness should be part of the curriculum, just like road safety. It's exactly yeah. the same. I mean, I don't know how my car actually operates. I don't need to know what happens behind the scene, inside the, the engine to drive the car. I need to know how to put it in gear, how to switch gears, if it's a manual car. Um, I actually learned shift. Um, how to brake the car. I need to know the different signs mm -hmm. and the rules of the roads. And it's exactly the same in the internet. I mean, maybe you don't have a great big red stop sign, but there are indicators that show us, for example, you know, there is no big stop sign that tells me when it's when it rains to turn off the wipers. But someone told me that. So I know that. So I know that if it's raining and I'm driving and I start the wipers, I will see better because someone told me. If no one would have told me, I wouldn't have known what this knob does. Yeah. So yeah. so I think it's exactly the same. And I know that a lot of people in the industry share that sort of vision that people, that kids will know how to protect themselves, that parents will know how to protect their kids. And it will be, my dream is to be completely and utterly useless and no one will need me that's like the dream <laughs> i don't i want no one to need me professionally i mean i hope people will still need me to make them um i don't know food maybe the kids um but uh, yeah that's sort yeah. of the, the goal I like this analogy with driving the car because a lot of research and work has gone into human factors to figure out where should we put the knob to do the thing like there's a and so there's been a lot of engineering around typical ignorant people to make it work the best for them. And like, and the, the knobs to turn the window weapons on, at least in every car I'm driving, it's always in the similar place. Like I kind of know where to look and mm -hmm. I know how to expect it. And that's been well engineered for my ease so that I can use it. But it, it's, and, and I, I talk to a lot of cybersecurity professionals when they're just really honest with me, they want to engineer around the end user. Yes, they want and they think that that's possible. And I'm like, please meet me as far as you can make it as simple and as usable and safe for me so that I, you know, as much as we can, if like, you know, like nobody can hold all the passwords in our head. So let's find good solutions. Um, let's find real solutions that will work for real people. And if you can engineer good ways to do that, I'm, I'm all for it. But I can't imagine a point, and I think your car driving example is a really good one. There's some point in which education is going to have to fill the gap. We don't come naturally wired for any of this. Yeah, right. Absolutely. We need to like the people side of this is also going to have to step up and meet it. So I don't want to deter anybody in, in the cybersecurity industry from 
doing everything they can to engineer around us, to meet us where we are to the extent that you can. And I think there will always be an educational gap there um, that Absolutely. needs to be filled in order to, to make the most of, uh, of these technologies and to use them wisely and safely. Yeah, and I think I, I love the fact that you just mentioned that because I think it also correlates to one of your reading assignments in the program. I know that you sent uh, that you sent all your students the NIST uh, the NIST publication of why cybersecurity is everyone's job. Yeah. And I think you just tapped into the fact that educators also have a role. I mean, security awareness, promoting cybersecurity awareness is one of the roles. It's something that we have to make everyone involved. And NIST pointed it out that I can have the best technology in place, but if I haven't spent time on educating my users, someone will make a mistake, not because they're stupid, because no one ever, ever explained to them. No one ever and, talked to them. And educators are overburdened and there's so much curriculum and there's so many reasons why it doesn't happen. Well, it isn't part of the formalized curriculum, but it could be if we were aware, if we were more with it, it could be like simple little comments. And did you think about this? It, it could be more in line with that. But instead, I don't know what it's like um, where you are, but I, I know it's not uncommon in the United States for kids to come home with their Chromebooks and their password is taped right. <laughs> their password is assigned yep. to them and it's simple and it's taped right on the computer. And this is their first, here's, here's the car keys, kids. And, yep, and here's the exactly. copy for everyone else too. <laughs> there it is. Like we wouldn't do that. Exactly. We wouldn't hand everybody the keys to the car. Like, you know, like we have keys to the car in fact, right? Um, and yep. the first lesson in like, here's your Chromebook should be about how to protect it, right? Mm -hmm. um, and it's not, it, it's, it, it's just, it's, we're not, we haven't caught up to that. I mean, that's just one example of this, but we are like, and the speed of adoption of all these technological uh, tools everywhere in society, but in education in particular has just taken off. I mean, you know, astronomically, yeah. but the reflection about this, you know, there's a dark side to using all of this. Um, and we've just adopted, 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 and haven't yet caught up to the reality we're already living in and what that means. Our, our habits are not in tune with that. And um, we need to do everything we can to get ahead of it. Schools could be, could be, should be a vital part of that. I agree. I agree. Can you share actually stories that you may have heard from your students about their experience in integrating those cybersecurity concepts into the school curriculums? Um, they range. They, there's a range of, of kind of products, but some of the more insightful ones are, um, I wish I had really good, I, 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 I want to have some of my students, I wish I had Holly Hanna here with me because she can talk about what like conversations that she would facilitate with middle school students. You know, they're just doing regular research and their things. And then she, and she could just like, boom, because she sees all of this. She sees all of these different layers and she sees how it connects to the life of middle school students or whoever is, is right there. Um, and she's just very authentic and, and under like, you know, understands how to facilitate these connections really well. So we've got everything from, from that to like, 
seriously just canned PowerPoints about, you know, did you know that some passwords are more secure than others and that mm -hmm. everybody's using one, two, three, four, five, six? Um, I love you is not a unique pa password is not a good password. Uh, you know, so sometimes it's just simple things like that. And I'll take it all. I'll take it. I'll take it all. Um, I, I like I like the things that are less. I mean, information is important. We need information. But I like I really admire the way Holly in particular, she's one of the students, right? The way that she um, catches it in the moment, in the authentic lived experience all the time, can reflect on it and draw it to students' attention, right? And when we can develop a heightened level of awareness of, of the problem that we, where we spot it authentically in this moment and can respond to it in effective ways that further the conversation and further awareness. Like that's the kind of education that I get really excited about. And I'll take yeah. the PowerPoints too. Let's integrate those also. Right? <laughs> absolutely, but I think I agree, but I absolutely agree with you because it has to be like encompassing. It's not enough to have once a year cybersecurity week enough. and let's have a great I mean, I'll take presentation. It. I'll take yeah, it is my big great presentation. I'll take those things because they do move the needle forward, but we have to have a bigger vision than that because it's like, you know, it's it it needs to be ongoing and reinforced and we ultimately need to change our habits. We need to change the way that we're like we are living in a our habits are here, our reality is here. There's this gap that leaves us vulnerable. It leaves us vulnerable and opens up all these fascinating ethical questions that we haven't figured out yet. And living right now in 2023, um, the, 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 the bar on technological advancement is just out of control. And so the gap is getting bigger every second that we're speaking. The gap between where human habit is and the reality of where technology is. And yet we've already adopted all of this stuff and integrated it into our everyday living without catching up internally mentally with with that reality and so um you know the more we can just sort of grapple with that and and grow in that and we can embody a sort of change that um mm -hmm. will be ever adaptive because you know we're having conversations about passwords today that's going to change like passwords are going away from what i understand right certainly with once quantum computing is like i mean like yeah. at some point this is all going to change and so it's like we can't just talk about i mean let's talk about passwords when it's important when it's relevant but we have to think bigger because yeah. we have because technology is growing bigger all the time we need to like really build a kind of security mindset for general populations that can adapt and really contend with um the, the changing reality that we're living in and it's changing fast it is it is absolutely. Um, I think you gave a lot of good uh, points about building that security mindset. Do you think there's like a specific tip, like one thing you think every educator should do in their environment to move the needle? Um, uh, I'm going to shout out to a tool that um, Ryan helped to develop um, when he was with Security Studio. Uh, he developed this S2Me tool that I start yes. the students with, right? And so this, it gives them a person. So, and what I'm saying for educators to do this, they need to first recognize the risk and, and their own vulnerabilities in their own lives. We need to make it personal, right? Um, sometimes we pretend that the habits that we, the technological habits that we have, that we use in our work life are um, separate from those that we use in our own personal life. And so, and I just think that's not true. <laughs> it's not, it's not how humans yeah, actually absolutely. work. Absolutely. 
And we sort of lie to ourselves into thinking that that's the case. And so I, uh, you know, start the course out with like, let's make it personal and like really assess, let's secure you. Let's assess where you're at right now in your own life. And let's just be real about that. And then set some reasonable, let, let's set some goals for improving your own security. Let's add multi-factor authentication to, to these key accounts that you're using. Let's just, you know, try to, and it's, painful at first it's painful to, to, it's to it is very annoying until it becomes like okay this is just a, a, another habit i have to tie my shoes i have to buckle my seatbelt i it, it can it can get there right um but we have to be willing to but, but we can't until we just get really real about what are we currently doing in our lives and so um i want teachers to first recognize their own vulnerability um the, the reality of their own, I mean, their students, yes, but like, let's take it really, really down, their own kids and the internet and what, you know, when you just hand your kids the, the, the iPad and send them to their room, like what you're really exposing them to. And if you Absolutely. haven't had the right conversations with them, if they don't have the right supervision, if you, you know, like you're exposing them to danger. And we don't have that in our cultural conversation. It's not yet in our like lexicon. Um, Absolutely. so I, I think, I think to make it really personal, uh, you know, so hopefully so that we can avoid problems before they happen, but really have teachers assess and to realize in their own lives, um, where we're beginning, uh, with all of this, uh, is a good yeah, place to start. I agree. I think that the best tip I had from an educator about maintaining cybersecurity safety with kids is you will never, if your kid would go to a party or to meet with friends, when they come back, we always ask them, how was your day? Who did you meet with? Who did you have lunch with? Where did you go? Whatever. But when we send our kids to their room with their iPads, we don't ask them, who have you been playing with? Who did you talk to? Who did you chat with? Where did, what websites did you go? And we need to change that conversation because that is the reality. That is, it's not virtual reality. That is the reality. Mm -hmm. For um, we, yeah. we relocated two years, a year and a half ago. And my son have has play dates with one of his best friends at least once or twice a week. They both log on and they open the PlayStation and they play with each other and they have a conversation. And for him, it's as real as if they met back home and played in the PlayStation together. So I think that technology opens up a lot of opportunities. Yeah. I mean, it is incredible, yeah. but we need to change the narrative. We need to ask those questions. Yeah, but you're, that's a great example. Our parenting habits are not yet attuned to that, you know, those same questions that um, yeah. we do, you know, just naturally, like we're attuned to those kinds of realities of, of children's lives. Uh, when they, you know, are in school, who did you talk to? Who did you, what did you have for lunch? Like we're attuned to those realities of their lives. So we're not attuned to their digital realities. Exactly. Um, and we need, we need to wake up. <laughs> yeah. So like before wrapping this up, I always address the elephant in the room and the DEI angle. Now in education, it's a little bit different, but as you know, in cybersecurity, diversity is still very yeah. much an issue, not just women in cyber, but diversity in general. I would love to hear your outlook on education and the educator's role in creating that diversity, not just in cyber, in tech in general, how can educators also 
move that needle and get more people involved, get that diversity because we need more people and we want to open up more opportunities for people. I think that um, many educators are not aware. I mean, you know, people who went to go, go to school and become teachers, they're not even aware that cybersecurity or technology, they're not aware of those careers, that those are viable careers. Um, and so the, the course is just really like, hey, like this is this whole other thing that's going on. And there's a huge need for a particular kind of talent. And there's an in interesting dynamic here because the talent that is really good in cybersecurity is oftentimes thwarted and punished in schools. When it, mm -hmm. when that creativity that they're that like the natural creativity in the classroom that teachers are observing, like can be cultivated, and should be cultivated yeah. for the good of society. And if you can do that when they're in middle school, if you can catch them there, if you can know that this is a thing out there, that there's there's a there's a need, a societal need, and a good career, right, a good future for these kids in this area. So I think that. I think educators are just not aware of that and that and also they can if they can be aware of it and be aware of the particular or just attuned or sort of aware of the particular kind of student and, and the kind of curiosity and i think curiosity is really pretty key oh, yeah. Uh, yeah that's a pretty core thing but it's sort of like curiosity um can manifest in all kinds of ways that are off that, that can be very disruptive and counterproductive in schools but it's also awesome like it's what we really <laughs> i mean it's awesome and, and it's it's and if, if we could be better at spotting it and see it as awesome and know how to harness that to do really cool interesting things um to also ha allow space and grace for like when mistake i mean I've talked to a lot of you, a lot of people like you, May, and all of you started out crossing some boundaries as kids, right? And, and you know, it's like, it's usually the best, but like everyone has this story, all of you do, <laughs> um, where there's some kind of boundaries and you're just sort of playing and being curious and getting into to, to gray territory. I, I mean, if we can, if educators can be aware of this need, aware of the kind of curiosity and the kind of talent, aware of cultivating it, and also be aware of how to hold the conversation um, when and if boundaries get crossed, how to hold that hmm. moment, how to hold that moment um, and respond helpfully. I'm not saying that if, if students are doing things that are that need to be, you know, punished or something, there's there's room for that, but there's also room to grow. Um, yeah, to grow in in that. And we tend to um, I, I think the, the, it's a common story. I know of it. That we also use a case study in the class in the beginning of the class of students who actually hacked their school for like two or three years. <laughs> they were like in. Oh, I can tell you that. In like all the, the first emails. place that the first place that every script kitty tries is the school. It's the first yeah. place. The second, by the way, the second is mommy and daddy's workplace. I did not know that. Yeah, because Ouch. we have a tendency to think that uh, we won't get into too much trouble with that. Oh, you can get in a lot of trouble with that. I didn't. Um, never mind. Uh, <laughs> you did say prayers. Oh. Yeah, yeah. We all we all yeah. did that. Yeah. Well, we had to learn well, somehow. 
I think I think that so I start the class off with a case study where where this happened, where some kids got into their school and um, got in deep, with, like had the security cameras, the door locks, the thermostat, like all the stuff in the school um, for years. Right. They've yeah, got access to all of this stuff for years. And like all the other kids in the school sort of knew about this. But the adults were sort of oblivious. At any rate, when it did come out, um, the knee jerk reaction was to expel these kids. And uh, I think punishment was warranted, but there was an opportunity to, to, for the school to grow and to learn from this, an opportunity for the students to take a humble lesson about where they absolutely overstepped and how they, you know, and how to cultivate. But it, it's just like this, I think they were just caught off guard and didn't know. So I put this case study right in front of the students right at the start um, so that, they, that they're, they're not so unprepared when this happens. And um, they can think of, uh, help more helpful reactions, responses that can um, that, that can grow the students, grow the school, grow the situation. Hopefully, grow the kind of talent that we need. So I, I think make the just, kids secure at the school. Well, make yes. the kids secure at the school, and they yes. will have actual experience, and they will write a paper about it, about how they secured the school, and that could actually be something that they will use in the future to get a job in cybersecurity. But instead, it's 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 blacklist, don't talk about it, exactly. cloak and shame, um, and and expelled. Um it so Absolutely. yeah, we need we need educators just to be aware that this is um that these problems are happen and that it's a it's a key opportunity and how we respond to that will shape the future for those students' lives, for our schools and and I think really for society. Um, Absolutely. So yeah, I didn't directly amazing. answer the DEI thing, but it's sort of like there's so much talent it that is. we are not cultivating at the right time. And educators are at the key position for, for spotting that and cultivating it. The other piece about DEI that uh, I don't know if I'm saying, I'm probably not saying anything new to you, is that the, the problems in cybersecurity are just so complex. We need so many different perspectives. And this, oh, is, yeah. this has been great. Like as a non-technical person who's been around conversations, who's thought about cybersecurity. I mean, I bring a totally different perspective, a different toolkit to, to look Absolutely. at and analyze the problems. And that's been really welcomed because there is a recognition in the field of cybersecurity of just how diverse the problems are. It's so multifaceted and um, that we need lots of perspectives and there's room for all of that. And I think that cyber, I think there's an awareness of that in cybersecurity. And I think that, that that's growing. So I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic um, that, and it's not it's not just just um, you know more inclusion for the sake of inclusion, although that's good. Uh, I, I would support that, but it's also to make cybersecurity better, and it will exactly and make society exactly. better, and it will exactly amazing. Thank you for much so much for this. Um, and before I, we round up, I always like to finish this conversation with very short pop quiz questions, whatever comes to mind. No right or wrong answers, so let's get going. And let's start with what's your go-to firewall to beat imposter syndrome and self-doubt? Because we're all encompassed in self-doubt all the time. Yeah. Um, my go-to firewall for that is to know it, to name it, to feel the fear. <laughs> step forward anyway and pretend as if and just move forward anyway to pretend as if and what i've learned from 
you know, years of doing this in many situations is that you do that enough. And then eventually you look back and you're like, oh, I am a real PhD or I am a real professor or I am a real person talking about this stuff. Right. It just you just I feel afraid. I'll name that for myself. I know I'm afraid and I'm just going to step forward anyway. And you keep doing that. And then all of a sudden the line's back there and you've already been You've already been the thing, whatever the thing was, a, a mother. And now there's a new thing to fear. What is that? There's, there's always a new thing to fear. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but do you on. feel like as you get, like you get better at this, you get practice, if you've encountered enough, uh, you know, the imposter thing doesn't ever go away, but it's sort of like, as you move forward, I have enough experience overcoming that. Or it, like at some point yeah. I look back and I realize I've already, oh, oh, yeah. I have a, I have a PhD. What happened there? You know? exactly. Well, you know, last week I was working on a project and I finished the project on Friday and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's why they're paying me because I could do this. Huh. And it was like it was like a aha moment that what I just accomplished in this project is not something trivial. Not everyone can do yeah. this, but it was sort of a aha moment. Yeah, I've, I've just accomplished something big. That not a lot of people could do so so yeah it's there's always a new thing to be afraid of and speaking of which what's the most daring thing you've done recently that really pushed you outside your comfort zone you're calling me out on my lack of courage because i haven't been pushing myself out enough lately into my mm. comfort zone but i will tell you starting this class the, like this was you know 2019 i began the class in terror and i named it like i remember the first synchronous session i was just like i'm just gonna name the fear <laughs> I feel. i've got these cybersecurity experts who i didn't really know i hadn't yet built relationship and i was like and the students are there i'm like here we're gonna start this thing and I, it was absolute terror um, and one of them, one of those cybersecurity professionals, it was it was Laura Lee later, right? She sent me some Simon Sinek videos, right? <laughs> like, you know, how when she feels afraid and how she moves forward anyway, and that that, you know, here she is, you know, training the the US Cyber Command people. And yet before she does a big training, it's sort of like she's gotta remind herself about like, oh, like this is normal. We all feel this. So it was just great to have, you know, other people ahead of me and it's great that it was a woman, right? Like you know, relate and say, look, this is normal and we all feel it. And, and, you know, here's some resources that I use and we can keep moving forward with it. That was the, that was a big, big moment of fear. Um, and you're reminding me that I haven't stepped out enough lately. Uh, so thank you for that reminder. I need to do something daring. <laughs> so I will uh, follow up on that. Oh, <laughs> see, Good. I'm also a I mean, I'm a, I'm a very annoying person. Um, what's the best piece of advice you received throughout your career? Twofold, twofold. Um, one is, and they, and they're actually saying opposite things, but you've got to hold the tension together. One is, um, don't try to shoot your target at someone else's arrow. Or don't try to shoot your arrow at someone else's target because that target is always moving. And the only one that you can reliably hit is your own. Um, nice. Don't try to do that. So that was from my dissertation advisor. That's what she said. And then another piece of advice that's sort of contrary to that. It's like, 
what I was saying earlier, like, oh, here's how you want a research agenda. You want a career in this. You see what these people are doing over here. Oh, and I see what, like, cybersecurity people, I see what you're doing over there. Educators, oh, I see what you're doing over there. Let's talk to each other, right? And so it was like a simple way. If you want to be an important person, you find these two things and you, you do this. And I was like, okay, that seems too simplistic. But if you can do that, and yeah. find a way that is integrating your own arrow and the own the, the thing that you uniquely can contribute, right? Where you are shooting at your own arrow um, through the things that you really care about. Like I'm finding there's ways to do both, actually. Beautiful. So I try to hold those two things together. I like that. That's that's nice. Was there a specific resource, a book? You already referred to Simon Sinek, but maybe something else that profoundly impacted your life or your career? Yes. Or but maybe I'm gonna, Simon Sinek is also fine. Simon Sinek is great, um, but I'm just going to nerd out on you. I'm going to, yeah, John Dewey's Art is Experience. I know. It's a, it's a, uh, what is this? 300, 350 page <laughs> <laughs> philosophy. Uh, it's awesome. And there's so much insight for cybersecurity in here. Uh, I'll have to reread it. I don't will. know. I don't know. But it, the value of experience and learning through experience, right? So that's one thing that that this book is talking about. And that speaks to the present moment of the, the gap between technology is here, our habit is here, where we need to mend this gap, right, in order to grow. Um, yeah. when, and, and, and we're not even aware that it exists. Right, like when we're hungry, there's a gap between our reality that we're in and like where we, where we're at, and we do stuff to to mend that gap. But it's sort of like we're all hungry, except we don't know it. Yeah. So that's that's that some insights from great. Dewey. It's an insight. So Amazing. that's what you get from Art is Experience. It's a good book. Beautiful. I, it, it was really important to me. <laughs> Amazing. With me. And last but not least, how do you celebrate your achievements? Hmm. I mean, the sad answer that, that wine is involved sometimes, but it's actually, <laughs> I mean, and that's good and that's fun and that's nice, but the better moment, it, and I think that this is, I think for me, and I think we probably all struggle with this, is that um, like when you submit that big project and then you have that moment where you sit and you exhale, like giving space and attention to that moment and allowing for it. I don't think we give ourselves the space to exhale. Like I, I feel it, you know, um, when a student completes their dissertation, right. And it's like, like, I just, we just got, we just got them there to this stuff. It's like, oh, but I think, I think just tending to that moment. Um, and you know, so I like the wine, but I, I think we need to hold on to that exhale, that moment of exhale, more and really take that in and feel it and i i you know i'm a busy person like the rest of us and i think we tend to skip over the exhale yeah and um, run to the next project yeah and um so i love i love your question um so i i want to honor and hold on to the exhale more and, and then have some good wine <laughs> exactly oh we can exhale with with good wine yeah so definitely good one will be involved amazing jane thank you so much for joining me today it was insightful and fascinating and i really appreciate your time and contribution to this profession well gosh thank you thank you for all you do and yeah
pleasure. Amazing. And, and I will see you all in another episode of Cyber Mania.